Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. your paleontologist. Let's dance. I'm Dinosaur George. Glad to be spending a little time with you. Hope you are all doing okay. Hope everyone is doing okay. And that you're all continuing to study and be the great paleontologist that I know you're going to be. Welcome to this uh, this episode. Good to be back. Now, this episode is going to be like all the other ones, back to our original format, the way we uh, the way we always used to do things. Uh, the past one was so much fun, where Owen got to sneak sneak in and take over my my podcast. That was pretty fun. Some great questions too, by the way. That was a lot of fun. Before we get started, a couple of things I want to tell you. We have now have. 120,000 listeners in 108 countries throughout the world. So to all of you from all over the world, welcome to the show. And I certainly appreciate uh, you being a part of this. I enjoy it so much. Things are still going great. My museum out of Traders Village in San Antonio, Texas, we're actually looking to expand it. I've got a couple of other really big fossils that I can't fit in the space that we're in. And I'm hoping that we're able to make it a little bit larger so I can bring those in. Because I've got a couple of really cool pieces I want to bring in. Right now, there's some cool stuff in there. So if you ever come to San Antonio, Texas, or if you live anywhere around San Antonio, Texas, I hope you come out on the weekend. It's only open on the weekends. It's at a place called Trader's Village. T-R-A-D-E-R-S, Trader's Village. It's this gigantic outdoor market where they have like a thousand vendors that sell all kinds of stuff. So it's a great place to go and it's a fun place to hang out and it's a safe place to bring your family. It's almost all families out there and uh, stop in, stop in and see me. Hopefully I'll run into you there and I can meet you in person. Couple of shout outs. First, I want to give a shout out to Brooke and Hunter who I saw out at the San Antonio Zoo couple of weekends ago, it was so nice meeting you. Brooke, you knew so much about dinosaurs. I couldn't believe it. So I wanted to give you a special shout out. And of course, to your brother, Hunter, who also knows a bunch about dinosaurs. But it was really good seeing you. And then just a few minutes ago, I just finished up a private lesson for my little friend, Jules, who lives in Austin, Texas. Jules invited me to be part of his birthday. Today was his birthday. And we did a lesson for he and his family and friends. And it was so much fun. Jules, you also know a lot, a lot about dinosaurs. Um, If you're ever looking for a job, when you get a little bit older, you let me know and I'll see if I can put you to work in my museum. Or maybe you could come in here and work with me on my podcast. One other shout out I want to give to my little buddy, Emilio Raptor, who is one of my best buddies, my absolute best buddy. And he and his family moved to Dallas, which is which is about five hours away from where I am. 
But uh, I just wanted to give a shout out. Emilio, I want you to know I'm thinking about you and I miss you and your family. And I'm looking forward to seeing you the next time I go up to your area with our traveling museum. Speaking of our traveling museum, if you uh, go to school at an elementary school in Texas or Oklahoma or Arizona or Louisiana, any of the uh, any of the states that are close to uh, Texas, like New Mexico. Um, if you're interested, see if your teachers will bring us to your school. We actually travel all over with our Traveling Dinosaur Museum, and I would love to come see you. We are getting booked all over the place, so there's a very good chance that I may see you either at your school or maybe you live nearby where our Traveling Museum is, and maybe you can come by and say hello. Love to meet you in person. All right, um, let's get straight into today's feature creature because this one is going to be cool. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Well, this feature creature is a terrifying killer bird. We call them the terror birds. This one is the largest of that bunch. Its name is Kellenkin, spelled K-E-L-E-N-K-E-N, Kellenkin. Kellenkin is ginormously big for a terror bird. Now, what does the name Kellenkin mean? Because that's a weird name. Well, Kellenkin was found in Argentina, and there was a tribe of people or a, a, a nation of people called the Tehuelchi, and I think that's pronounced correctly, Tehuelchi. The Tehuelchi people, they had a demon named Kellenkin that they feared. And so the people that named this uh, bird wanted to give it a name that that made you realize just how scary it was. But they also wanted to, to honor the Tehuelchi people, so they named it Kellenkin, and it was named after a demon. The name doesn't mean anything in English. Like I've taught you so many times that dinosaur names mean something in English. In this particular case, that's simply the name of a, a ancient people who believed in a demon called Kellenkin. This bird is big. It's three meters tall. That's like 10 feet. You're talking about a ginormous bird. Now, it's flightless. It cannot fly. It can run. It weighed about 226 kilograms, that's like 500 pounds. Like I said, it was discovered in Argentina. It lived during the Miocene era, which is about 15 million years ago. It was a biped, meaning it only walked on two legs, and it was absolutely a carnivore. Now, the terror birds really began in South America. That's where they seem to have appeared. Some of them slowly migrated into North America. Now, I believe that there was some evidence of terror birds in Africa as well, I think, but I don't know so much. I'm not really sure. I know all the terror birds I know are all the ones like Androgalornis, Titanus, Walleri, Forest, Rockus, Diatrima, which I think they changed Diatrima's name, uh, and of course, Kellenkin. So I'm familiar with the South American 
terror birds and those that migrated into North America. Migrate means to move. So they were living in one area, but they moved. Now, the reason why I chose Kellenkin as today's um, uh, feature creature is that I posted to all of my Patreon members. They all got to vote. The Patreon members got to vote on who they would like to hear a podcast on. And so the last count, Kellenkin was way ahead of of every everybody else. I gave them three options. Concavenator, which is a carnivore. Arctotus, which is the short-faced bear. And then Kellenkin. I will say that Concavenator was second place and Arctotus was the third place. And maybe one of these days I'm going to end up... Um, I'm going to end up doing a podcast on those other two as well. But my Patreon members got to vote on which subject they wanted. So that's why we've chosen Kellenkin. Kellenkin was discovered in March of 1999 by a student and his friend who found the remains near a train station in a little town in Argentina. And they did the right thing. They turned the discovery over to a museum. It is very important on specimens like these that they need to end up going to a museum so somebody that could somebody could study them properly. So it was discovered in 1999, but it wasn't given a name and it wasn't described until 2007. Now, if you're a listener of this podcast, you understand why. I've told you before. The time it takes from the time they find the animal to where they've cleaned all the bones and they've done all the research and all the studies, sometimes that can take a couple of years, several years. So the reason why it was discovered in 1999 but wasn't described, and what I mean by described, described is the scientific term where someone sits down and writes out all the information about it how big they think it was, where it lived, what it ate, or maybe not what it ate, but whether it was a carnivore, herbivore, omnivore. To describe it means, in science, it means to write all that down in a paper. And then that paper is then presented to other members of the science community, and they look over the paper and they verify that everything is correct. And if they all agree that it's correct, then that paper then becomes the scientific description. And that's when it gets a legitimate name. And that's when people then find out what it is. And that can take a very long time. But it was amazing because a student found it uh, and, and, and a friend of his, and they happened to find it like real close to a train station. I don't know if they were at that. St- now, I know they were digging fossils because they found a bunch of other fossils in the area. But it's so amazing to think that that the remains of a giant killer bird were laying behind close to a train station where maybe thousands of people have walked by and nobody went far enough out or knew what they were looking for and discovered it. So discoveries can be made all over the world in places like that. So let's get back to who Kellenkin is. Now, this is a fast, this is a fast predator. Kellenkin is very fast. Those long legs were perfect for covering speed. And it had the largest skull of any bird. Just its skull 
was 71 centimeters long. That's 28 inches. If you don't know how long 71 centimeters or 28 inches are, ask your parents to take out a ruler or a measuring stick so you can see just how big it is. And the beak, this is not the whole head. This is just the beak. The beak was 18 inches long. That's 45 centimeters long. That's just the beak. And it had this big curved hook at the end, like the, like the hook on an eagle or a hawk or a kite or a falcon. That hooked beak is perfect for ripping apart, ripping the meat off of the body to eat it. Let me tell you something. If this animal were alive with humans, we would be in big trouble. Kellenkin is incredible. Now, it probably used that beak to rip and tear apart prey, and it probably used its feet to kick as well. You may not think that a bird's foot could be dangerous, but go online and look up the foot of a cassowary or the foot of an ostrich or the foot of an emu. Listen, man, those things are weapons, and they can literally, they can kill you with their foot. So you've got this monstrous bird that is ginormous chasing down its prey. It can kick. You know what it could also do is maybe grab you and shake you back and forth, maybe breaking your neck or your back. So when they grab their prey, maybe they grabbed it with that beak and shook their head back and forth real fast. Maybe they grabbed it in their mouth, picked you up and slammed it into the ground. Whatever the case, Kellenkin was a top predator of its time. Now, it does have a living relative. Now, of course, birds are related, but I'm talking about there is still a terror bird alive today. This bird comes from directly from the family of terror birds. It happens to be a bird from Argentina. It's called a seriama, spelled S-E-R-I-E-M-A, seriama. I want you to go look up the word Siriyama, especially look for the one called the red-legged Siriyama. There are all kinds of videos on that animal, so you can see how fast it is. Now, it's small. It's not very tall. It's not tall at all. It's shorter than any of you, but it still comes from the same family. So there is a living member, a close relative of Kellenkin alive today. You might see it in your zoo. Here in San Antonio, there's two of them in our zoo. By the way, Seriyama also has the curved killing claw like a raptor on its foot. It's a double bad dude. So how did, how did Kellenkin hunt? Well, I think it, it had a couple of different ways it hunted. Number one, I think it could simply chase things down that weren't that fast and catch them. It could come running in. It could also ambush something. See, those long legs mean that it can go from standing still to running at top speed in very short, maybe three steps and it's at top speed. So if it's hiding somewhere and you're anywhere nearby, by the time you look up and see it, it's already on top of you. And maybe, maybe they hunted in a pack. Maybe there was a group of them hunting together. Now that's something that's very hard to prove, but looking at other animals now, we don't really think of birds as hunting in groups, but there is, uh, I cannot remember the name of it, but there is a hawk here in Texas, and it may live other places, that the hawks hunt cooperatively. They work together. One hawk will swoop down to scare rabbits, 
And when they're running away from it, the other hawks swoop in and grab them. So there's all kinds of, of ways this animal hunted. But I think it absolutely is using speed as its number one way. It's got excellent eyesight. It has, it, it could probably, that beak, you know, something else that beak could do is maybe they could use it for communication. Pop their mouth closed and that might send an echo across an open plains to other members that they know it's there. Maybe they were territorial. Boy, you want to talk about a fight. Kellenkin versus Kellenkin? Whoa. Whoa. Tell me that wouldn't be a terrifying sight. So for those of you that like to do projects, here is your project for today's podcast. If you have a toy terror bird, I'd like for you to set up a scene. Your bird doesn't have to be Kellenkin. It can be any terror bird. But I want you to set up a scene outside where if you have like camels or deer or horses, put them in there with your, your terror bird because those are the things your terror bird is eating. Maybe even baby hippos, maybe baby rhinoceros. But if you don't have a toy terror bird, see if your parents can help you go online and look at a picture of one and then draw me a picture of a terror bird. You can make it attacking something. You can just make it running. You can make it standing still. But I'd love to see your terror birds. And if you do, then please make sure to go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group and have your parents post your picture or your your diorama if you set it up, if you have a toy of one set up. Love to see them. I always love seeing that stuff. Finally, this thing was at the top of the food chain, but it still had to compete with a lot of things. And the fact that they're not here anymore more means that they didn't stay at the top of the food chain. Now, one of the things they had to deal with were saber-toothed cats. Saber-toothed cats, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe saber-toothed cats first evolved in North America and they moved down to South America. I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Well, they would have been top uh, uh, com- competition with Kellenkin. Yeah, Kellenkin is huge and yeah, it's fast, but a cat... You know how fast a cat is and how high a cat could jump for a saber tooth like like um, uh, who's one homotherium homotherium could jump 10 feet in the air without any without any problem at all. It could jump on the back of a Kellenkin. Well, if it lands on the back of a Kellenkin, Kellenkin can't do anything. It can't reach its head around and grab it off. It can't turn its head back there. It doesn't have arms. It can't roll over. So it could be in big trouble just because you're at the top of the food chain doesn't mean there's not somebody better to share the top of the food chain with you. There were also bears. Bears could have been a problem. But I think the reason why Kellenkin and all the other terror birds, except for the Siriyama, I believe the reason why the terror birds went extinct was two reasons, three reasons. One We know that the environment was changing. The world was changing rapidly back then. The world was going through all kinds of changes. It could become incredibly hot. It could become incredibly cold, much faster than than the way it's happening today. Well, that sometimes means that those animals cannot adapt quickly enough. 
What would happen if during the nesting season, a huge cold front came in and froze everything? Every single one of those babies would die in the egg. Every single Kellenkin in the egg would be dead. Now, of course, the next year they could lay eggs again, but you've lost an entire generation just because of one day it was cold during the nesting season. Kellenkin isn't made to sit on the nest. They, they don't look like they could sit on the nest very well. Their legs are too long. I don't know what they'd do with their legs. So it could be environmental change. It can be new predators moving in who's better compete. They're, they're better competitors. Maybe they were better. Maybe Kellenkin is awesome at killing, but then Sabertooth show up and chase it away from its prey. It can't, it can't eat its food. And then finally, I think the prey itself became smarter. Camels became smarter. Llamas became smarter. Horses became smarter. These animals were living with Kellenkin, and yet they're still alive today. That tells us they survived. So maybe they got smarter. Now, how do you get smarter? Well, if you're a camel, maybe you figure out that the only way to deal with these Kellenkin is to stay in a group, to stay in a herd. And if a Kellenkin attacks, you stand your ground. You rear up on your hind legs. You kick with your feet. You try to kill that thing. Well, by yourself, you're not going to do a good job. But if you've got 10 or 12 or 20 of your buddies, Kellenkin can't get in close enough. He doesn't know who to dodge. He doesn't know where the kick is coming from. Horses could do the same thing. Horses may have figured out, I'm not going to outrun this thing. Or maybe they did. Maybe they were becoming faster than Kellenkin, and all of a sudden Kellenkin can't catch them. What if Kellenkin lived in a place where the, where the grass grew really tall, and it could, you could raise its head up and look around and spot prey, and then kind of duck its head down and slowly creep up to where it gets nice and close to the prey? Well, what if the weather changes and that grass doesn't continue to grow? Now, where does Kellenkin hide? You're giant. All the prey can see you from miles away. So there's all kinds of ways that animals can become extinct. A changing environment, the prey gets smarter, and new predators move in. Whatever the case is, I absolutely love Kellenkin. I think it's an amazing animal. And I'm sorry that it's not here anymore. But if you want to see a miniature version, look up the Sariyama and take a look at it. All right. If you would like for me to bring my traveling museum to your school, pay attention to this. Bring Dinosaur George's traveling exhibit to your school, museum, or city. This is the largest exhibit of its kind in North America and will turn any facility into a natural history museum. You'll see things like prehistoric mammals, giant fish, ancient reptiles, and of course, dinosaurs. It's affordable, amazing, and will be an event you'll never forget. See complete details at dinosaurgeorge.com or call us toll free, 888-487-7478. Bring Dinosaur George's Traveling Museum to your community today. All right, let's answer some questions. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. 
you can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random, and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, this first question is one that I have missed a couple of times, and I apologize for this. This goes out to Jackson, who lives in Vermont. Jackson asked, did Mosasaurs ever fight Megalodon? Well, it didn't, Jackson, because by the time Megalodon showed up, Mosasaurs were all extinct. Megalodon lived in the Miocene period, and that's thousands, tens of thousands, uh, tens of millions of years after Mosasaurs were dead. But there were giant sharks living with mosasaurs. It just wasn't megalodon, but there was some big ones. There were some big sharks back then. And yes, they absolutely would have fought with those kind of animals. I suspect that they probably stayed away from each other. I suspect now, if a mosasaur sees a small shark, it's going to attack and kill it. If a big shark sees a small mosasaur, it's going to attack and kill it. But I think if they're both grown, I think they kind of respected each other and stayed away from each other. All right. This next question comes from Noah, who asks about Kellenkin. Noah is one of my Patreon club members. He's a Tyrannosaurus member. As a matter of fact, I've got, a, I've got something to tell all of you. We started a new Dinosaur George Club on Patreon. Right now we have three. We have the Triceratops Club. It costs $1 a month. We have the Raptor Club that costs $5 a month. And we have the T-Rex Club that costs $10 a month. But we've added a fourth one. This is called the Plus 10 T-Rex Club. It's exactly the same as the T-Rex Club. Only this one is for people 10 years and older. Now, it's exactly the same. But it's just if you are 10 years or older... That's the club to join. You don't miss out on anything. You don't miss anything at all. It's just that our club is becoming so big. I'm kind of starting to separate into different age brackets because so many people have joined. So if you are 10 years or older, if you're going to become a member of one of my clubs and you want to be a T-Rex member, you need to join the plus 10 club. And that's the club to join. So Noah actually now has moved over to the Plus 10 Club because he was a Tyrannosaurus member and he simply moved over. There's no fee for him because he was already a T-Rex member. If you are a Raptor member and you want to bump up to that club, it's going to cost $5 a month more. So don't do it without your parents' permission. So anyway, Noah asked me a question about Kellenkin because Noah was one of the ones who voted on having Kellenkin. So that's why He's asking this question. He asked, how fast can Kellington run? Wow. Noah, if I had to guess, I'm guessing probably 25 miles per hour. It could probably outrun most horses. Whatever the case, listen, I, all I can tell you is that thing would have been fast. It would have been absolutely fast. I think it would have been incredibly fast. All right. Uh, and then he also asked, how good was Kellington's vision? Another excellent, another excellent question. Noah, I believe it had excellent vision. It has really big eyes. And usually when an animal has big eyes, that means it comes with good vision. 
I suspect its eyesight was excellent. I think it could have spotted prey from a far distance away. A big distance. Okay, Jack, who is also a tyrant or is a member of the Patreon club, Jack asked, what was the first fish? Well, Jack, that's an excellent question to ask. What was the first fish? I do, see the problem, Jack, is that um, the first fish didn't really look like modern fish. So the first ones, I think they're in the Devonian period, about 500 million years ago. I think fish 500, maybe 550, 550 million years ago, if I remember correctly. But the first fish look kind of different. So they show up in the Devonian and then they start changing very quickly. Fish just kind of exploded into all the different kinds we see today. But unfortunately, Jack, I don't know exactly which one is truly considered the first fish. That's very good. Okay. Uh, Sid wants to know, did the raptors all live around the same time or did different types of raptors live in different times? Excellent question. Excellent question. Actually, raptors show up towards the end of the Jurassic and then there's a bunch of them in the mid Cretaceous and then a bunch of them in the late Cretaceous, all totally different species. So raptors were around, but you know, the thing that I don't understand the most, the part that is the most confusing to me about raptors it appears that the bigger raptors are living in the mid-Cretaceous and that by the end of the Cretaceous, most of them have gotten smaller, which is not really the way most animals, most dinosaurs evolved. Take the Allosaurids. Allosaurids started small and grew to be giant. Tyrannosaurs started small and grew to be giant. Carcharodontosaurids started small and grew to be giant. And yet it appears that raptors started medium, grew giant, and then grew small again. Not all of them, but some of them. So raptors are a real mystery. Said, thank you for being a member of the Patreon Club. I appreciate it very much. And then let's see. Here's another question from my Patreon group. Uh, This one is from Micah, who's seven, that lives in Sydney, Australia. Now, Micah asked who would win. Micah, I promise you I'm going to come back, and I'm going to answer that as soon as we get to the who would win segment. I promise I'll do that. All right, now I'm going to jump over to the Dinosaur George page, and I'm going to look at messages that people sent. Oliver from Sydney, Australia, one of my good buddies, Oliver, sent a who would win. Oliver, I promise I'm going to try to get to yours in a minute as well. I promise. Hang on a second. Let me get rid of this. All right, let me keep reading uh, some of these. Let's see. Um, here is Michael, age 11 from Australia. Hi, DG. I have a question. Did Mudaborosaurus have an inflatable crest? Good question, Michael. Actually, I don't, it didn't have a crest. A crest is actually something that is bony that's connected to the skull. But what it seemed to have is almost so, and I know what you mean by this, Michael. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just not called a crest. It's more like an inflatable balloon on its nose, like a fleshy skin. Like, have you ever seen a picture of a frog or a toad when it ribbits? Like that big balloon skin kind of opens up and holds air. So I think Mudaburosaurus probably had something like that that would have helped it communicate. So, yeah, I think it probably did. It's an excellent question. Okay, let's see. Here we go. Jaden uh, from Malaysia in Penang. Hi, Dinosaur George. It's Jaden again. Hello, Jaden. Glad you're back. I love your podcast, and I listen to every episode. Well, thank you, Jaden. That's very kind of you. Jaden said, I wanted to know if 
Sarcastodon is a type of bear. Whoa. Sarcastodon actually belongs to a group of animals that are not really bears and they're not really dogs, but they kind of look like a mixture of both. Sarcastodon is a member of that group. They are incredibly powerfully jawed animals. They're predators. They walked around on all fours. They, When you look at them, you think it's a dog. Then you think it's a bear. Then you realize it's a bear dog. It's kind of a combination. And that's what Sarcastodon is. It belongs to that group of animals. They are powerful. And you know what? My mind, I just, I just, it slipped my mind. The name of those animals. I can't believe it. Sina. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. I, I totally forgot that. It starts with the letter C. I could see it in front of me, but I can't remember how, I can't remember its name. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. That's terrible. Okay. Anyway, they belong to a group that is neither dog nor bear, but they appear to be a combination. All I can tell you is they are absolutely one of the top predators of their time. All right, let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I got to keep going. I got to go down. Um, let's see. Here we go. Evelyn, age eight from Maryland. I used to live in Maryland, Evelyn. I lived in Suitland, Maryland. I want to know what the newest dinosaur is. You know what? I don't know who the most recent discovery is because they're happening so quickly. They find on average every three weeks, somebody discovers a new species of dinosaur or prehistoric animal. So it happens so quickly. Some of the smaller ones happen and they don't get a lot of attention. And I'll be honest with you. I've been on the road so much. I haven't had a chance to, to stay on top of that. I, w- I wish I could answer it for you, but unfortunately I don't get a chance to do any research for these. So when I read them, it's the first time I read them. And I just, I wish I would have had time to research. I'm so sorry, but I wish I could have. All right. Gideon, age six from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Would Pachycephalosaurus have lived in herds? I think so. I think so, Gideon. It certainly would have been uh, an advantage to live in herds because there's more eyes looking out for danger. Uh, They're absolutely more looking out for danger. So, yes, I believe they absolutely would have. Absolutely. All right, this is from Dino Geek in Calcutta, India. Did Leviathan prey on Megalodon like orcas prey on great white sharks? Nice. Now, Leviathan is living with Megalodon, right? I think Leviathan, I know Brigmophysetter, which is another whale that looked a lot like Leviathan. I know Brigmophysetter, Brigmophysetter lived with Megalodon. I'm not sure if Leviathan lived with Megalodon or not, but if it did, like I mentioned uh, earlier about uh, Megalodon and um, Mosasaurs or giant sharks and Mosasaurs, they probably kept their distance. Like orcas will only attack great white sharks if there's a lot of them in the group. They're not going to risk a one-on-one fight because that could be trouble. So I think Leviathan, who's a giant meat-eating whale, if you've never heard of Leviathan, it's a giant meat-eating whale. I think it certainly is possible that they did, but it's probably not their main diet. But that's a great question, Dino Geek. Okay, let's see. Crosby is four years old that lives in Helsinki, Finland. Hey, Crosby. Hi, Dinosaur George. Are there any carnivores that walk on both two and four feet? And why is Allosaurus my favorite dinosaur? What a what a nice question. Okay, the first question, why is Allosaurus my favorite? Well, Crosby, when I was about as old as you, 
one Christmas, I got a bag of dinosaur toys. And when I opened the bag, all of the dinosaurs looked cool. But the Allosaurus looked super cool, like way cooler than the other ones. And he looked so awesome and his mouth was open and his arms were spread and he had big claws. And that instantly became my favorite. So as I grew up, I started studying that one more than any other. And it continued to be my favorite today. Now, as for walking on two or four feet, it's possible that Spinosaurus may have been capable of walking on two or four feet. Well, we know it could walk on two, but it might have walked on four, especially when it was in the water hunting. And if it did, then that probably means that Baryonyx did it. Suchomimus did it. Um, Irritator may have done it. Uh, there's a bunch of relatives of Spinosaurus, and they probably all shared that same thing. There's no way that I know for certain, but I certainly believe it is possible. It is possible. All right. This is a question from Anika, who's seven years old and lives in Plano, Texas. Anika says, how old are you? How old am I? I'm 59 years old. I will be 60 years old in December. How old are you? You're seven, Anika, because you told me. So let's see. I'm 59 and you're seven. Uh, nine is two years more than seven. So I'm two years older than you, right? Okay. I might not be only two years older than you. <laughs> All right. Um, Lillian, who's eight years old that lives in Plano, Texas, says, I have two questions. Is it true that deserts used to be oceans before the asteroid hit the earth? And how do you know exactly how much dinosaurs weighed? Excellent questions, Lillian. Excellent questions. Okay, yeah, there are places today that are deserts that at one time were the ocean. Do you know that in uh, Africa, they find whale skeletons? They find whale skeletons in the desert. And the whale didn't crawl out there. It lived there. It wasn't the asteroid that changed that. Actually, that the, the world is changing all the time, Lillian. It takes a very long time. And so the oceans covered places that were land, but over time, the land could have been pushed up to where the oceans didn't cover them anymore. The oceans could become smaller. Like, for instance, there were some times in Earth's history where there were no ice caps. And that means there wasn't any ice on the North and South Pole. But as the ice began to form, it made the ocean levels drop because all that water is now in the ice. So places that used to be covered by ocean are not because of the ice caps. Now, as for how do exactly do we know how much dinosaurs weighed, there's a lot of science and math that goes into that. There's all different ways that a scientist can estimate the size. It's, it's, it's kind of confusing, so I'm not going to go into a lot of details. But basically what it is, is there are scientific formulas. There are ways that they can make a model, like a miniature version of that dinosaur, and they can use it to determine how much it weighed. There's all, they have to estimate the size of the heart, the size of the lungs, the size of the stomach. They have to estimate all these things, and a lot of work goes into it. So when you see someone who is estimating the size of, of, of a dinosaur, sometimes it simply means that they have done all kinds of scientific study 
that you may not realize that they put into it. Uh, last one. This is from my buddy Oliver, who's six years old and lives in Sydney, Australia. Oliver said, how strong was Truidon's bite? Well, you know what, Oliver? Strong enough to go through skin, but not strong enough to bite through bone. So I would say it would be like if you've ever been bitten by a dog, and I hope you haven't because it hurts. A dog can bite you, but it doesn't snap your bones, but it can bite through your skin. I think Truidon probably could do something like that. It definitely, it definitely had a very strong bite. All right, let me take a quick break. I'm going to play you an ad about the Patreon Club, and I hope you'll consider joining it. I hope you will, because the Patreon Club is like so much fun, and I hope you become a member. And by the way, if you become a member quickly, uh, today's date is um, August 30th. Next week end, we're doing a lesson for all club-level members, and we're going to do a lesson on Parasaurolophus. So if you like Parasaurolophus, I hope you join our club and join us for that lesson. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right, we're going to jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page to look at all your comments and your amazing drawings and your pictures. So here we go. Leon and his sister Audrey drew this picture. One Utah raptor is ripping the meat out of a triceratops. The other is looking at the pteranodon. Hey, this is great. This is great. I love the colors of your pterosaurs. I love the colors of your raptors. Oh, man, they are tearing up that poor triceratops. I love that drawing. You guys are absolutely amazing. That is amazing. All right, Fletcher sent me a picture of some dinosaur lollies that he got for his birthday. Oh, those look delicious. Look, I see triceratops. It looks like a stegosaurus. Uh, it looks like the footprint all in candy. See, I wouldn't want to eat that candy. I think what I would want to do is I think I would kind of want to be like, uh, I think I would want to probably just, uh, probably just not eat it. I would probably want to keep it, but those look amazing. All right. Velasa Wyatt wants to show his prehistoric scene of a Spinosaurus hunting a Titanoboa. And a Brachiosaurus looking at its baby, a Stegosaurus hiding in the plants, and a Pterosaur flying above. He isn't sure yet if they lived at the same time or the same place, so he hopes it's realistic. Well, it doesn't have to be realistic to be amazing. This looks absolutely great. I love this. First of all, your Stegosaurus, your... um. Uh, your big brachiosaurids, they all, and the pterosaurs, they live together. And then Spinosaurus and Titanoboa live together. So this is an excellent scene. I've got to ask you though, Velasa Wyatt, is that pterodactyl hanging from a string or is he sitting on that tree? It looks like he's flying. It looks super crazy cool. And I love it. All right. Ben has been practicing drawing predators and wanted to share his T-Rex Allosaurus and Spinosaurus with me. Well, Ben, you did an spectacular. 
secular job. I love, love, love these images. These are great. And my Allosaurus looks amazing. This is really, really good. I like the teeth and I like the colors and the big bright sail on Spinosaurus. Ben, you've been practicing and you're doing an excellent job and I'm very proud of you. That is great. And then Ram Frey, Frey Hinkus. All right, this is great. Ram Frey Hinkus. Okay, that is so awesome. The Ram Frey Rinkus boys, because their last name is Frey. This is great. The Ram Frey Rinkus boys are still backlogged onto the podcast, are still backlogged on the podcast, but wanted to catch up on the assignments. We have completed through Ankylosaurus. Nicely done. Nicely done. You really have. You have done such a good job. Look at all of the, you set up all of the ones I've told you. You've got a sauropod, uh, uh, looks like a big sauropod, I mean, uh, uh, a, a ceratopsian protecting its babies with the other herd members. Excellent. You've divided up the rampharynchoids and the pterodactyloids. Excellent work. You've done your carnotaurus. You've done your ankylosaurus with the baby hiding underneath. You've done an ankylosaurus nailing, nailing a carnivore. You've got Allosaurus. Oh, look at these. These are spectacular. I am so proud of you guys for doing this. Boys, I'm glad that you're catching up on all the assignments. I really like what you've done. You should be very proud of yourself. Shout out, boys. That's a good job. All right. Our son, a 16-year... Okay. Malene, this is so cool. Curtis. I want to tell you guys about my buddy Curtis. Curtis is 16 years old, and he is a junior in college. Let me say that again. Curtis is 16 years old and is already in college, a junior in college. He is an incredibly smart young man. I had the chance to meet Curtis when he was younger. And he came in and worked with me in the traveling museum. I immediately recognized Curtis was the most intelligent young person I've ever met. And not only is Curtis intelligent, but he and his brother are the most polite, respectful young men I've ever met. I am honored to call them friends. And I think of their mom and dad as family. Well, it was so nice. Mom posted a picture of his dorm room. He has amazing skulls and skeletons and bones and toys. This is amazing. Curtis is going to become a paleontologist. He is right now studying evolutionary biology. And so that means that he is probably going to become a professor or he's going to be a paleontologist. He's going to be successful, whatever he does. I'm very, very proud to call you my friend. Malene, thank you for taking time to post this. And I hope that uh, I hope that um, that uh, Curtis will get a chance to hear this podcast and know how proud I am of him and who he's grown up to be. And I'm proud of his brother as well. All right, Isabel, my little buddy Isabel found something interesting. Four flying reptiles and one bird. And since birds are dinosaurs, that means there's only one dinosaur in this book. 
Nicely done. Nicely done. You, that's a good point. Good job, Isabel. You're such a smart girl. I'm so proud of you, Isabel. You'll probably be a paleontologist too. And then this is really good. This is amazing. Um, Miss Wendy posted a picture of when her son was little and I took a picture with him. And now there's a picture of me next to him. He's taller than me. He's taller than I am. He has literally grown taller than me. That is so funny. And that picture of he and I together, that was from 2017. And in just a few years, he's grown taller than I am. Thank you for posting that. That's so cool. All right, Malachi made a matching game for everyone to try. Look at that. I advise anybody, if you are not part of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, it's totally free. There's no charge. Ask your parents to join the group and they can see all the fun stuff that's happening. This is really good. Malachi, this is brilliant. This is really an amazing matching game. This is really, really good. I am very proud of you, buddy. That is amazing. And then this is a question from Isabella. Hi, Dinosaur George. My name is Isabella. If you had a pet dinosaur, what would it be? Well, Isabella, it would depend. Now, I wouldn't dare want a giant carnivore because it'll eat everybody. So I would probably want a smaller herbivore. And you know who comes to mind who I would really like? I would love to have either a Cetacosaurus or a Protoceratops or a Zuniceratops. They're little. They're cool. I think they would be so much fun. When I was a little kid, I had a pet pig. Yeah, you heard me. I said a pig. He was a little oinker. Uh, my little pet pig is kind of built like uh, like like Protoceratops or Zuniceratops. So it would be kind of fun. It'd be like a pig with a little shield. But thank you, Isabella, for asking. That's a very good question. And that's who I would want as a pet. All right, let me keep going. Um, a Leon from Victoria, Australia, drew a picture of Dinosaur George riding on a T-Rex. You little stinker. Why did you put me on the back? Now, that better be my pet. Because if that thing's going to eat me after I get off, I'm in big trouble. And that means you're in big trouble. Leon, this is a great picture. I love your T-Rex. And thank you for giving me hair, by the way, which is very nice. You didn't give me a lot, but you gave me a little hair on my head. This is great. I really like this. Good job, Leon. That's good work. All right. Uh, Fletcher's birthday was today. That was on August 26th. He wanted a pachycephalosaurus cake. Mom was not up to the challenge, but his big sisters were. Oh, look at that. Zolly and Daisy. I am so proud. You guys are so amazing. Fletcher, Dolly, and Zay, uh, Zolly and Daisy are all members of my Patreon club. In fact, they moved up to the Plus 10 club. They made a Pachycephalosaurus cake because their, bro- bro- their little brother, Fletcher, wanted a Pachycephalosaurus. Look at that cake. That's awesome. That is amazing. You guys are amazing. I wish I could have been there to eat it. One of these days when I come, when I come to Australia, which I'm going to do, I need to find out where you guys are so I can come visit you. Happy birthday to you, Fletcher. I'm sorry that I missed your birthday. It was a couple of days ago. So now I'm going to get a dinosaur to sing happy birthday to everybody that had a birthday in August and everybody that has a birthday in September. I am going to use a raptor skull and it is going to come up to the microphone and sing. Now, first of all, Raptor, 
Please use the right words for the happy birthday song. Don't make up your own words. That's very rude. Here we go. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. I'm gonna eat you for breakfast and spit out your shoes. That was horrible. That was what kind of a birthday song? You're going to eat Fletcher for for his birthday? You're going to eat him for breakfast and spit out his shoes? Why are you going to spit out his shoes? Because the shoes stink. Great. That was great. Well, happy birthday, buddy. And to all of you celebrating a birthday in August or September, happy birthday to you. All right, let's keep going. JR wanted to show his dino scenes. He said if he took a picture himself, very, very good. And there he even put a dinosaur, George, and all of my dino friends. This is a great picture. And that's a very good picture that you took yourself. JR, that's very good. Very proud of you. And thank you for letting me be surrounded by all my friend dinosaurs. This is a very, very good picture, and I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's see. Oliver, who's in Sydney, Australia, wanted to know some of the fossils. He sent me some pictures of some of these fossils. Uh, Let's see. Now, Oliver, some of these I can immediately recognize. Like, for instance, uh, you have uh, some sea urchins. You have little ammonites. You have straight-shelled ammonites. You have uh, the teeth of a, I can see the teeth of a stingray. You've got a bunch of really cool fossils, buddy. That's good work. Congratulations to you. All right. Malcolm, who's now a new Raptor member. Welcome to the group, Malcolm. Malcolm drew a picture of Dinosaur George versus T-Rex using my stink power for the win. Well, that. Wait a minute. You actually drew the stink coming out of my underarms? And it went right into the nose of the T-Rex. <laughs> well, thank you for making sure my stink power wins. That is hilarious. Malcolm, welcome to the club. What a great club member you are. And that that's great. And I won with my deadly stink bombs. Always carry your stink bombs. All right. Noah sent me a beautiful video. This is amazing. Noah is absolutely great. Noah, look at the collection. Noah, that is enormous. And look at all those books. No wonder you know so much about dinosaurs. Look at all of the books and the amazing dinosaur figures and toys. Noah, this is great. And Noah says, thank you, Dinosaur George, for being a phenomenal person to me. Noah, I'm honored. And I'm glad to be your friend. And I'm very, very proud of you. You're, you're such a kind young person. You're so smart and you're such a good guy. And I am so proud to know you. Very proud of you. That's absolutely excellent. All right. Let me go through and make sure I got everybody. James, who is a T-Rex member, he's seven years old, made a Jurassic Park drawing. Oh, cool. You even drew the gates, James. You drew the, and thank you for being a T-Rex member, buddy. You drew the gate of Jurassic Park. And you also drew a dinosaur running around in it. I would recommend everybody turn around and run because things are going to get crazy because right now James has a huge carnivore walking around in his Jurassic Park. That was absolutely great. 
All right, Harry Cephalosaurus, who's nine, and Tyrannosaurus Robin, who's six, are very enthusiastic fossil hunters. Hey, you sound like my little friend, the fossil huntress. They live near the coast in UK, and they go exploring, and here is all of the fossils. Look at the fossils you guys found. Oh, my gosh, look at everything you found. You found all kinds of amazing sea life. You found some complete ammonites. I love ammonites, by the way. You found complete ammonites, parts of ammonites. You found all kinds of amazing stuff. So proud of you. All right, let's see. Um, this is from Miss Laura. Her five-year-old son made a Lego T-Rex and is very proud of it and wanted to show the group complete with claws and teeth. Well, let me tell you something. This is an excellent, excellent T-Rex. I love it. And I can see those claws and I see those big teeth. This is such a good job. You did a wonderful job, and I'm very, very proud of you, and I love your Lego T-Rex. And that was a lot of work. I know you put a lot of work into it. Okay, uh, let's see. This is uh, Penelosaurus. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, DG, who would win? Dinosaur George with two Allosaurus sidekicks? Or the rest of the dino pack. We voted for you. Well, thank you for voting for me. Of course, with two Allosauruses, how am I going to lose? And if those other dinosaurs get past them, stink bomb city, baby. Stink bomb city. <laughs> and uh, Penelosaurus uh, and mom says, thank you for the podcast. It makes our car rides enjoyable to and from school. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you very much. For taking time. And by the way, I see her digging out that fossil and it looks like she's doing a very good job. And I hope she's taking her time and looks like, oh, are those all those rocks and, and fossils? Did they come out of that? I see an orthoceros. That black one is called an orthoceros. That's really, really good. Lots. That's very good. OK, let's see. Um, let's see. This is from. Oh, Sophia and Wyatt. Hey, guys. Hi, Dino Daddy. Uh, Dino Daddy said, lots of books say that a fossil or dinosaur was first discovered by an archaeologist or scientist, but are there accounts of how ancient civilizations like the Incas, Egyptians, and Native Americans found and documented or accounted for fossils? If they found something, was it just assumed they were bones of legends or their ancestral stories? What an interesting question. What an interesting question. Nice job. Um... I think that most of what I've learned about the North American Native Americans is they thought footprints. They saw a lot of footprints and thought they were giant birds. And so I don't think there's an account of how they documented them because I think they probably either probably thought they were ancient gods or maybe just sort of some ancient animal or some animal that maybe still existed but wasn't around anymore. I've never studied how they described. I will tell you this, though. There was a Neanderthal that was found that had been buried with a fossil clam. Apparently, this Neanderthal picked up the fossil clam and thought it was cool enough to where his family decided to bury him with it. So I think that there were, at least there were people looking at these things going, why did they turn to stone? There's a very, very cool story about a fossil here in Texas called a Protocardia texana. It's called the Texas heart shell. I don't have time in this podcast, but one of these days I'll try to tell the story. 
but the Native Americans believed it was the heart of a buffalo that had been turned to stone. It's an amazing story. I'm so sorry. I don't have time to go into it now, but that I'll tell it one of these days. I promise. All right. Um, let's see. Here's a little Hunter Source Rex who's five. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look, those are absolutely great. Kiwi Crate coming in clutch with the dinosaurs. Oh, man. These are great. Look at those cool feet. You've got dinosaur feet and a dinosaur hat. And you're working on digging it out. Oh, look at you. You did such a great job, honey. And I absolutely love your outfit. That is amazing. All right. Here's little Madelinosaurus. Now, Maddie is one of my uh, Patreon members, and she's one of my favorite. She's been busy with funny pictures lately. On the left, she drew a Darth Vader dinosaur. <laughs> it's even black and wearing a helmet. And on the right, it's Dinosaur George being eaten by a Baryonyx. Now, this is... Wait a minute. What was that? What's that last line? On the right, it's Dinosaur George being eaten by a bear. You little stinker. You little stinker. What are you doing putting me in the mouth of a baryonyx? I'm being eaten by a bear. You little stinking Madelinosaurus. You, oh, wait till I see you the next time, you little stinker. <laughs> That's absolutely great. Uh, Arthur, age four, from Northumberland, United Kingdom, set up his hole. Who would win? Whoa, look at the battle he made. Velociraptor, mini Spinosaurus, Utah Raptor, and and Tawa versus baby Brachiosaurus, Triceratops, and Diabloceratops. And he says he loves you, Dinosaur George. Well, I love you too, Arthur. And I really like what you set up. This is a great battle. You've got a great battle. Who did? Who won? Ask mom or dad to tell me who won in your battle, because I like your battle a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. All right, Leah and Cole made dinosaur imprints and tracks in the sand, and they wanted to show you. Oh, now this is great. This is great. They have a little container with sand. They laid some of their little dinosaur figures in it and left prints. I see footprints. I, I can make out a triceratops. I know that's got to Matter of fact, it looks like two triceratops. Those are great. Oh, what a, I love this. I like projects like this. I absolutely love this. This is so good. So good. Very, very good. Okay. Let me see. Let me jump through here. Web, Webionix. Webionix is showing me how strong his raptors. He's picking up an entire bucket with the tail of that raptor. That's cool. Samadarshi created a T-Rex tooth with Legos and I love it. Samadarshi, I love it. And you're welcome for the latest podcast. And I absolutely love, love, love it. All right, my friends, that is a trip through the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Now I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, who would win? <laughs> Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. You know what time it is. Who would win? 
What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, to submit a who would win, you have to be a T-Rex Patreon member. Here we go. Oliver, age seven, says, who would win? And Oliver is from Sydney, Australia. Who would win? Utah Raptor versus Deinonychus. Nice. Nice. Battle of the Raptors. Well, Utah Raptor has uh, the weight and the power. Deinonychus had the speed. I'm going to still believe that Utah Raptor is just too much to handle. I think Oliver Utah Raptor just can't or is just too much to handle for Deinonychus. Even though Deinonychus is my second favorite dinosaur, I'm going to give that battle to Utah Raptor. That's great. All right, my buddy Noah, Diplodocus versus T-Rex. Love this one. Nice. Man, now can you imagine if these two animals lived or lived at the same time, what that would be like? Obviously, Diplodocus has the size. It has that tail, and I think that tail is the deciding factor in this one. Noah, the bite of a Tyrannosaurus Rex would be devastating. If he could get in close enough, then there's nothing Diplodocus can do. Like, if he comes running in, Diplodocus might have been able to stand on its hind legs and come crashing down on top with its front legs, but that's only if it can stand up fast enough. If Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to win, he has to attack head on, straight at it, not from the side, not from behind. Because if he comes from the side, that tail can get him. If he comes from behind, that tail can get him. But running straight at him, head first, is the only way he's going to win. And then the only thing he can do is hopefully grab it by the leg before it tries to stand up. And you hope to rip a chunk out of its leg. And then you hope an infection sets in or it maybe dies of shock. But if you can't do that, Diplodocus is going to win every single time. That's absolutely brilliant. Felix wants to know Albertosaurus versus Tarbosaurus versus T-Rex versus Stegoceraps. Well, Stegoceraps isn't going to stand any chance being in the ring with these three titans. So that one's going to go first. After that, Albertosaurus is going to have the speed, but Tarbosaurus and Rex are simply too powerful. After that, Tarbo versus T-Rex. T-Rex has the size advantage. I'm going to give this battle to Tyrannosaurus Rex because I simply believe he is going to do, he's going to win. All right, Henry Raptor, who would win? Dinosaur George versus a very hungry Allosaurus. Now that, wait one minute. What did you just say? Henry Raptor, what did you just, Dinosaur George, wait, I'm Dinosaur George. I'm versing a, I, I can't. Okay. You know what an Allosaurus is so big and fast. You know what it calls for? Double stink bombs. You heard me. I'm not lifting one arm. I'm lifting both. And nothing, nothing can survive a double stink bomb. <laughs> All right. My, my best friend, Hennessy Wade, by the way, Hennessy, who's been a member forever, uh, Hennessy's picture is at the entrance of my museum out at Trader's Village. Hennessy's picture is used on our Welcome to the Museum sign. So what do you think of that? 
Hennessy asked two really good ones, but I'm going to choose this one, Hennessy. Megatherium versus Gigantopithecus. This is this is great. Gigantopithecus is the giant orangutan ape-looking creature. Megatherium is the giant ground sloth. You know, I would think the brain of Gigantopithecus is going to give it an advantage. But unfortunately, there's not much else it has in the way other than sheer power. Megatherium has really large claws, and Megatheriums had body armor under their fur. Little pieces of bone that would have protected it. So even though Gigantopithecus, you know, that would be an amazing fight, though, Hennessy. This would be an amazing battle. Maybe eh, maybe I need to think about this, because Gigantopithecus, if it's anything like a giant ape or an orangutan, it's got unbelievable power. It's certainly made to be faster than Megatherium. If it jumps on its back and grabs it by the neck, I think it could literally break its neck. I'm going to give this one to Gigantopithecus. Now that I think about it, I'm going to give it to Gigantopithecus. Good one. Great one, Hennessy. All right. Uh, this one is uh, Oshin. Oshin. Oh, how cool is this? I'm Oshin. I'm a new T-Rex member, and I live in Sydney, Australia. And my grandparents in Ireland bought me the membership for my eighth birthday. How cool is that? Oshin, this is great. Happy birthday, by the way. Um, I would love to hear my who would win on the podcast. My who would win is... Archaeopteryx versus Microraptor. Whoa! This is a good one. This is a very good one. This is great. I've never had two little guys like this before. Now, Archaeopteryx, I think, is capable of actual flight. Microraptor might have been more like a glider, and that would give Microraptor a little bit of a disadvantage because it would have to crawl up into a tree and leap out of the tree and spread its arms to glide. Now, maybe it could flap like a bird and fly. I'm not sure, but I think Archaeopteryx could. So right away, Archaeopteryx is going to be more maneuverable, but where it's different is the foot. Microraptor definitely has the killing claw, and that's the thing that gives it the advantage to where I believe that Microraptor is going to come out on top. Because even though it may not be able to fly, it doesn't matter. The fight's going to take place on the ground. And no matter where the fight takes place, I believe, Ushin, that it is going to, I think Microraptor is going to win. Very nice. And please tell your grandparents thank you for buying you this. It's so cool. Okay, Arlo, Isaiah, and Nova want to know Velociraptor versus Stegosaurus. Now, some of these I may have answered in my last podcast because it's hard for me to remember which ones I did and didn't do. But if I answered this one already, I'm going to answer it again. Velociraptor is super fast. Stegosaurus has super thick skin. Stegosaurus has the size. And if they ever, if they ever land a tail spike, that is the end of that. So Velociraptors could sidestep it pretty easily. I think they could sidestep it pretty easily. But I don't know. I don't know whether or not it's going to stand a chance. So I'm going to say... I'm going to give this one to Stegosaurus. I'm going to give it to Stegosaurus. All right, let's go. Uh, Dino J, Smilodon versus Dinosaur George riding a T-Rex. All right, at least you gave me a T-Rex. Smilodon isn't going to stand a chance against my T-Rex. If I'm riding it, Dino Jace, if I'm riding it, I'm the winner, baby. I just hope my T-Rex doesn't decide 
to have lunch because then I'm in big trouble. All right, Henry Raptor says, Indoraptor versus Indominus Rex. Man, I would have loved to have seen this fight. I just think, Henry Raptor, I think Indominus is just, it's just too big. Even though Indoraptor was quick, fast, and absolutely had wicked claws, I just don't know if it's going to be able to take on Indominus Rex. I think Indominus was just simply too powerful. I think he's too powerful. Great question, though. All right, Teddysaurus Rex says, Woolly Mammoth versus Spinosaurus. Wow. Wow. Teddysaurus, this is an interesting one. I'm going to surprise everybody and say, I think the Woolly Mammoth is going to win. And let me explain why. First of all, Spinosaurus has that long snout with those very sharp teeth. It could leave a terrible wound. It could leave a terrible wound. And it's also got those giant claws with those with hands with three claws. That's going to be a machine that's going to cause injury. But what Woolly Mammoth can do is when it comes running in and hits Spinosaurus, Spinosaurus is going to be knocked to the ground instantly. And the Mammoth is then going to finish him off before he can ever get back up. If Spinosaurus runs into the Woolly Mammoth, Woolly Mammoth will just lean forward and push against him. I honestly am going to give, plus the Mammoth's tusks are going to act as a barrier. That Spinosaurus is going to have a hard time reaching the mammoth to get through those tusks. So even though most of you are probably going, I think Spinosaurus would win, I believe Woolly Mammoth is going to win. I believe he will. All right, Ben, who's six years old, wants to know who would win, Yangchuanosaurus or Acrocanthosaurus. Another excellent battle. Excellent battle. Acro has the size. Acro has the weapons. Acro came later than Yangchuanosaurus. Yangchuanosaurus looks a lot like my beloved Allosaurus. Yangchuanosaurus lived in the late Jurassic. Acrocanthosaurus lived in the mid-Cretaceous, meaning Acrocanthosaurus is a better version. The, the, the later dinosaurs are more advanced than the early dinosaurs. It's like cars. If you look at one of the first cars, it wasn't very cool. You look at modern cars, they're amazing because of all the advancements. Dinosaurs are just like that. The later dinosaurs were the most advanced. So you have brain power, you have arm length, you have size, you have bite force. Ben, I believe Acrocanthosaurus comes out on top. I believe Acrocanthosaurus comes out on the absolute top. All right, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, uh, JR says... Uh, Dinosaur George versus Megalodon with the Spinosaurus. All right, now wait a minute. You mean Megalodon has a Spinosaurus? You know good and well, JR, that my stink bombs don't work underwater. I don't stand a chance underwater. My stink bombs won't do anything. I can't aim my stink bomb underwater. It just floats away. Thanks for putting me in the water with a Megalodon and a Spinosaurus. I would simply become a Snackosaurus Rex. All right, my little friends, that will do it for this podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. How funny is this? You know what I forgot? I forgot. I finally had the chance to do an interview. I finally interviewed somebody. So now we're going to go to the interview. I cannot believe that I almost finished this. I went through that whole interview. I can't believe I almost ended this show without doing this interview. 
Would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. The best parts about being a Tyrannosaurus Rex member of the Patreon Club is your name gets put on this wheel and it spins. And whosever name it lands on, that's the person that gets to be interviewed. Well, guess what? Darko's name came up this time. So you are the winner. How are you doing, buddy? Good. Good. So, Darko, how old are you? Six and a half. No, I think you're 15. No. Are you sure? <laughs> Because I think you're, you look like you're 15. You're not six and a half. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, good. So you're six and a half years old. Are you married yet? No. Okay. The weirdest question ever. What? You're six and a half. You mean you're not already married? I thought everybody got married at six and a half. Well, you're usually young. You're usually older than that. Oh, okay. You're going to wait till you're seven. Well, I bet your mom is happy that you're going to wait till you're seven, right? <laughs> so, Darko, what grade are you in? I'm not doing uh, in, mommy, one. Grade one. Nice. Very good. Do you like school? Yes. And what is the best part of school? What do you like the best? Do you like do you like reading? Are you learning math? What What do you like about school? Mm, going outside and playing on the playground. Oh, that is always the best. I was good at two things in school, lunch and playing outside. Those were my best <laughs> subjects. So <laughs> I was the best lunch kid in the world. That's cool. Now, where do you, where do you live? What, what, where do you live, Darko? Toronto. Oh, in Toronto. That's a beautiful country. That's absolutely beautiful up there. I like it very much. Is the weather warm or kind of cool now? We're in a heat wave. Oh, yuck. Well, let me tell you, I live in Texas. And <laughs> I went, now one time I went to uh, Edmonton, which is not close to you, but I went to Edmonton and... um they took me to a place called Jasper, which I loved. And there was still, it was real cold and everybody was walking around with no coat on. I was going crazy. I was freezing. And so I'm used to the hot weather. So you have a heat wave, but for me down here, it's been like super crazy hot. So do you know how to skate? Do you know how to ice skate? Do you do any of that? Yes. Really? Have you ever, do you play ice hockey at all? No. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. We can't play ice hockey in Texas because the water never freezes. So we have to play water hockey. And it's real hard to hit the puck when you're holding your breath underwater. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you have a favorite dinosaur or animal that lived a long time ago? Yes. Who do you, what do you like the best? Which, which one? Giganotosaurus. Wow. That's a big dinosaur. Why do you like Giganotosaurus? 
because it's fast and and it's very it can kill animals lots of them that's right and you know i'm very proud of you darko because so many young people see its name and they call it gigantosaurus but that's not its name gigantosaurus is its name very good and that that is a big dinosaur now can you tell me the difference between a T-Rex and a Giganotosaurus. What are some of the differences? Do you think can you think of any? Yes. Giganotosaurus has three claws, T-Rex has two. Nice. Absolutely brilliant. That's very, very good. Um, you know, I told a little kid one time, this was a tiny little kid, about Giganotosaurus, and he said, I've never heard of chicken bonosaurus. Chicken <laughs> Chicken Bonosaurus. <laughs> I said, it's Giganotosaurus, not Chicken Bonosaurus. <laughs> so you ever heard of a Chicken Bonosaurus before? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I also like about Giganotosaurus, not only, like you said, it has longer arms with three claws, its teeth are, are way sharper. They're, they're, yeah. they're sharper than Tyrannosaurus Rex's teeth. Now, do you know what country Giganotosaurus lived in? Have you learned that yet? No. South America. Giganotosaurus. Yeah, Giganotosaurus was South America. Now, you, where you lived, you had uh, Albertosaurus and probably Despletosaurus and probably Tyrannosaurus Rex. So those are big. And, And Triceratops. Oh, yeah. Love Triceratops. What do you think would happen if Triceratops and Giganotosaurus ever met, who do you think would win if those two were fighting? Giganotosaurus. Why do you think he would win? Because he's stronger and he could step on it. Yeah, that's very good. That's a very good point. You know, that's something I don't think about that often is how they could use their feet to step on the animal or hold it down uh, or even kick. They might have been able to kick with their foot. So that's very, that's very cool. Well, I like Giganotosaurus too. Um, It's got a huge head. Its head is so big. It's just a giant dinosaur. Now, do you think that Giganotosaurus has hunted the big long neck dinosaurs? Or do you think they only hunted the baby long neck dinosaurs? You think they could hunt an adult? I think they maybe hunted babies. And why do you think... They would hunt babies and not hunt the adults. Because the adults are way bigger and it could maybe smack it with its tail. Nice. That's right. And if a big long neck stepped on you, you would become a pancakeosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's a pancakeosaurus? I don't know. It's a dinosaur that gets <laughs> pancake. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have any pets? Do you have like a, a dog or a cat? Do you have any pets? Cat. You have what? I have a fish pet. Oh, what kind of fish? Uh, I don't know. I forgot. Do you feed it? Yes. Do you take it out and take it on walks? No, because it would die. Do you let it drive your car? Not at all. It can be, it's too small to even reach the gas pedal. Oh. Or steering wheel. Did you teach it how to ride a bike? No. 
wow, you don't do much with your pet fish. Did you teach it to ride a skateboard? No. Well, then what do you do with that fish? Just let it watch TV all day? No, I, I let it swim around and get exercise. Oh, okay. So it lifts weights and it gets on a treadmill and that kind of exercise? No. <laughs> Swimming exercise. Oh. All the time it can swim. Oh, yeah. I guess it has nothing else to do since you won't take it for a walk, which I don't understand because I would have thought you would have taken your fish for a walk. But no, you don't want to take your fish for a walk. The reason why is because he'll die without water. Uh, You can throw water on him when you walk. Hello. But it's not like you can. It's not like you can go up to every single house and get some water from them. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, I'm just trying to help you take care of your fish. But if you don't want to teach it to drive and you don't want to teach it to ride a bike, that's your business. I can't believe you did that, though. (laughs) What is your fish's name? Did you give it a name? Yes. What is it? Nipper Mud Skipper. What? Yeah. Because he he likes to nip on his food. Ooh, nice. Nipper the Mud Skipper. Okay, that's a cool name. That's an excellent name. I would have named nine fish sticks. Fish sticks? Uh, why would you eat your best? <laughs> why would you name it like you're eating your pet fish? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any brothers or sisters in your family? I have one sister. Is your sister older than you or younger? Younger. Three years younger than me. Ah, do you help take care of your sister? Yes. That's very good. I'm very proud of you, Darko. Sometimes when I'm upstairs, I watch her. Good boy. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. That's what big brothers are supposed to do. Look what I have here. Oh, you've got a giganotosaurus. Yeah. Oh, that is from Papo. That is one of the best giganotosauruses they make. Oh, Mastermind. Yeah, well, the the company that made it is called Papo, but yeah, you probably bought it from a company. And it wants to eat you for dinner. Okay, why does it want to eat me? You just told me I couldn't name your fish fish sticks, but now you want a giganotosaurus to eat me. What kind of kid are you? (laughs) I can't believe... Hey, does that thing's mouth open and close? Yes. No way. That is cool and it wants to if it doesn't want to eat you it's gonna whip you with its tail okay why am i being attacked by that thing i didn't do anything to make it mad i'm sitting here minding my own business talking about that you won't take your fish for a walk and you attacked me with the giganotosaurus (laughs) and it wants to jump on you why does it what what did i do i look like a dinosaur yes So, other than your dinosaurs, what do you like to do for fun? Do you like other things? Do you like art? Do you like TV? What do you like to do? I like to fish. Really? That's one of my favorite things, too. Hunting fossils and fishing. Have you ever caught a fish before? Yes, I caught like almost 12. Oh, nice. Are they big or little? They were little, but I caught one big one. Ooh. Did you ever catch a shark? Who would catch a shark? Their rod would break. 
Uh, yeah. What you should do is tie your string around your dad and throw him out there and see if you can catch a shark. Uh, maybe, maybe, no, the Jikinoto, the Jikinotosaurus would do that to you if you did it to my dad. Okay. Chicken Bonosaurus <laughs> doesn't go fishing. It's a Jikinotosaurus, not a Chicken Bonosaurus. Yeah, I said Chicken Bonosaurus. That's what you said, right? No, Jigginotosaurus. Oh, okay, Jigginotosaurus. So you're saying Jigginotosaurus fishes? Yes. Uh, you better take your pet and hide it. Because if that chicken bonosaurus sees it, he's going to eat him. It's not chicken bonosaurus! <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just taking a guess here. So you like fishing. I like fishing, too. I like fishing a lot. Um, do you go fishing in, like, a river or in a lake? Where do you get to go? The most I get, I, the most I go is in lakes. Nice. Very good. And do you know what kind of fish you catch? I catch bass, trout, a little trout, and sunfish. I think that's maybe it. Nice. Those are all and good maybe, fish. And smallmouth bass. Ooh. Do you know, Darko, of all the years I've been fishing, I've never caught a smallmouth bass in my life? Seriously? Well, we th- I caught a fish a few, like yesterday, because I went camping, and we don't know if it's a smallmouth bass. We don't know what it is, but we're thinking it's a smallmouth bass. Nice. And where did you go camping? Do you remember? Awanda. Nice. Awanda. Now, did you stay in a tent or in a cabin? Where did you stay when you went camping? Uh, in a tent. Nice. Did a grizzly bear eat you? No. Oh, did a polar bear eat you? Then if a grizzly bear eat me, I wouldn't be here. Oh, that's a good point. So did a black bear eat you? No, then I still wouldn't be here. Okay, that's good. Did a piranha attack you when you were in the lake? No. Did an alligator attack you? No. Did you take uh, fish sticks with you so we could swim in the lake? No. That's kind of boring then. <laughs> to catch fish. Oh. And, and you know what my mom does? She wants me to catch a fish so then we can eat the fish. Ooh. Now, what do you use when you fish? Do you use lures or you do you use worms? What do you fish with? I use worms and lures. Nice. I mostly use lures. Yeah. That's worms. more fun. Yeah. yeah. It's more fun like that. And you can get plastic worms sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Have you ever fished with a plastic worm? Yes. Did you catch a plastic fish? No. Oh. There's such things as plastic fish. Oh. Uh, birds eat worms, right? Uh, yes. Did you ever catch a bird? No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe there's birds in the water. Wait, don't penguins live in the water? Mm, they they live in Arctic water. Oh, so did you catch a penguin? No, because I wasn't there in the Arctic. Oh, okay. Did a penguin attack you in your tent? No, because it's too hot. The penguin, it, it would only take one step and then it would fall and it would die because it's so hot. <laughs> if you could see a living dinosaur... If you could travel back in time and mm-hmm. see a living dinosaur, what mm-hmm. dinosaurs would you like to see? I'd like to see a velociraptor. Ooh, 
a Carcharodontosaurus, a Giganotosaurus, and a T-Rex. Man, that is a good list. Do you think the Velociraptor would be covered in feathers? Yes, some. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, what about the bigger ones? T-Rex, Giganotosaurus, Carcharodontosaurus. Do you think they had any feathers? Maybe, maybe T-Rex has had them, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a very good question. I, I, I don't think the big ones did. I don't think they needed feathers. Because they would be sweating. Yeah, exactly. It would be so, that's exactly right. It would be so hot. It would be crazy hot. And what do you like about Carcharodontosaurus? Why would you want to see him? The reason why I would want to see him is because I would like to see a battle between Giganotosaurus and Carcharodontosaurus. Whoa, no. Both similarly, similarly related to each other. Yeah, very good. Very good. You're right. He is. A, they are both Carcharodontosaurids. And they, uh, they, they, they were big, you know. T- tyrannosaurids, like the family T. Rex belongs to, there were some small tyrannosaurids, but when it came to Carcharodontosaurids, most of them were really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like them. I like, and I like Carcharodontosaurus. I guess that's why I like Giganotosaurus too. So, yeah. if, if Giganotosaurus and Carcharodontosaurus fought, who do you think would win? I think you might end up with a draw, but otherwise, if it didn't, it would end up with Giganotosaurus, I think. Yeah, because he's a little bit bigger, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he has maybe more advantages by speed, by height, and the massive, and the massive head, of course. Yes, that's brilliant. That's very good. You sure you're not 15 years old? No. You sure sound like you're 15 years old. I do. You're pretty smart, aren't you? Yeah. Except for you don't know how to take a fish on a walk. I can't believe that. If you took your fish on a walk, what would happen? I don't know. They never come back when I do that. Because they would get lost and they would die. Oh, no wonder what? I don't have any more fish. <laughs> but what if, what if the fish swam and then you stepped on the fish because it was right there? Then- what if you stepped on your own pest fish? And his name wouldn't be Fish Sticks. His name would be Fish Squish. No, his name would be Fish Pancake. (laughs) That's great. Do you have any books on dinosaurs? Do you like to read books about dinosaurs? Yes, often. Good. Good. I'm proud of you. And what about movies or shows about dinosaurs? Do you watch many of those? Uh, Not that much, but I have watched cool shows. Have you? Like. Bizarre dinosaurs. Oh, that's cool. That's a that's a good show. Yeah. What do you think is one of the most bizarre dinosaurs? Can you think of one? Carnotaurus. Yeah. Yeah. Tortoise arms and the world and the big horny, the big horns. Right. And you know, there's other carnivores that have horns, but none of them are as thick as the horns on Carnotaurus. I believe yeah. Carnotaurus is a ramming. I think he uses his head to ram. Yeah. yeah. Maybe when it's mating season. Yeah. Very good. That's exactly right. That would be a good time. And um, also, they might have been able to knock down prey with their head. You know, com- 
Yeah, come running in and ram them. Have you ever seen Therizinosaurus before? Therizinosaurus? Yes, I have a dinosaur toy of that. Nice. It's nice. a painted one. Is it? Paint one. Oh, it's cool. They're really weird looking, aren't they? Yeah, they have the longest arms in the world. Yeah. And what about those claws? Man. They tear open anything. You're right. You're absolutely right. I think they tear open you. Not me. Do I look like a Therizinosaurus is going to eat me? What do What do you think you're going to find inside, Tandy? No, I'll find bones to feed the T Rex. You little stinking kid! You're going (laughs) to feed me to it. What kind of a kid are you? I'll get a whole, I'll call a whole army of me eating dinosaurs and they'll bud right into you. <laughs> and they'll eat you. Oh, Darko, you are such a funny kid. Well, <laughs> I am so glad. I am so glad that, that your name was chosen for the interview. And mm-hmm. um, if you look at the, we just put the lesson up. Uh, the lesson was on how birds or how dinosaurs became birds. That was the lesson. And if you watch that, mm-hmm. I think you'll see the wheel spinning and you'll see how you won. Because it was pretty cool. It was it was exciting. Okay. Neat. Well, Darko, this podcast mm-hmm. is going to be heard by kids all over the world. Is there <laughs> something? Yeah. Oh, listen. There's 108 countries where people listen Whoa. to this podcast. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, so they'll be listening to you all over the world. So is there anything you'd like to say to other young kids that like dinosaurs? What would you like to tell them? I don't know. You don't know you like dinosaurs? I would like to tell them I want a giganotosaurus to eat you. You little (laughs) stinking kid. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Darko, you have been so much fun. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Did you have fun being interviewed? Yes. Yeah, you did an awesome job. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you coming on and doing that. Thank you so much. This T-Rex will sing the song to you. All right, let's hear it. Happy birthday to you. I want to eat you. No, no, no. That is not the words. Where did you learn that? That's not the birthday song. From you. What? Do I look like the kind of person that would teach you a song like that? Yes. Uh, no, that's not me. Okay, one more time. Happy birthday to you. Where's the cake? Okay, I'm going to eat you for the cake. (laughs) Do I look like a cake? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right, buddy. You would look like a cake to him. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Darko. Thanks a lot, buddy. Oh, Darko, that was so much fun. I enjoyed interviewing you. And now I can finish this podcast episode. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I look forward to doing more for you. I hope you will consider becoming a Patreon member. Remember, if you're 10 years or older, When you go on to join, and you can go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. When you go on to that website, it will give you a link to where to join. And when you go on, look through all of the different club levels, because now there's four. You might only see three, but if you look over to the side, it'll show you a 
a an arrow you can click on to get to the next one. So if you're 10 years or older and you want to become a Tyrannosaurus member, please join that one. Everybody else, I hope you join any one of the clubs. I would love to see you on some of our lessons. For everyone out there, I hope you guys enjoyed today's lessons. Remember, always be nice to other people. Be kind. And if you enjoy these podcasts, I hope you tell all of your friends at school or friends that you work with or friends that you know or family, because the more listeners we have, the better it is. Until next time, practice your reading, use good manners, and I will see you guys soon. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge.